You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for week number three of Random Rewatch Mondays, our replacement uh, project as Lost is on hiatus. And uh, if you've been with us for the last two weeks, you kind of know how it goes, but we'll just quickly give you the rundown here. Basically, what we do is every single Monday, Rossi and I alternate picking any TV show, any episode of any TV show, regardless of what it is, whether it is good or bad, famous or not famous, Canadian or American, <laughs> uh, modern or from the 60s, and it's just good or bad. Good or bad. It's just host choice. And uh, so far, we have covered Corner Gas. Uh, Rossi last week picked the Golden Girls. And we're going all the way back for the oldest uh, TV show or movie that we've ever covered on the Oz Network, Lost in Space, uh, an episode from the year 1967 or 1968. I'll have to actually see when this episode aired. Oh, February 28th, 1968. So a few months older than 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, which we covered earlier this year. Lost in Space, Season 3, Episode 23, The Great Vegetable Rebellion. (laughs) I'm so excited for this one. And if you have never seen this show, never seen this episode, don't worry. Just listen to our podcast. Um, my name is Colin, you bubble-headed booby. And I'm Rusty, and I'm a carrot. <laughs> that is the storyline of the episode. <laughs> so let's... Um, You're a celery. <laughs> before... And... <laughs> no, please don't stop. Um... Let's just describe <laughs> this episode before we get into the, no. the history of Lost in Space here. So, well, let's quickly just... Lost in Space was a TV show originally from the 60s. Uh, they made a movie in the 90s. And then now, just this past year, I've had a new Netflix show came out, which became the most downloaded show of the year. Uh, like Basically, Netflix's new biggest show. And the premise is essentially the Swiss Family Robinson, if you're familiar with that, a shipwrecked family... Uh, in this case, they're the Space Family Robinson. So it's a family stranded in space, uh, plus one robot, plus one villain, uh, a doctor who tried to sabotage their mission, who they're stuck with. And the show itself kind of alternated between being really good, sometimes deep, intelligent sci-fi, and then eventually evolved into being just completely ridiculous uh, kids goofy kids live action cartoon (laughs) a live action cartoon is the best way to describe it uh and (laughs) season three episode 23 the great vegetable rebellion is the most infamous episode in the history of lost in space and i mentioned this on the end of the last week's episode uh that regardless of who's being interviewed in the cast uh where they've been interviewed Whenever they're asked, what is your favorite episode you ever did of Lost in Space, they will all answer The Great Vegetable Rebellion. <laughs> Rossi, now that you have seen this episode, tell me, what did you think of The Great Vegetable Rebellion? Um, well, it was certainly something. <laughs> uh, I, I have no idea how this came into concept. I have no idea whose brainchild this was but it was some weird twisted like fantasy um like remnants of someone abused when they were young like (laughs) flashing out like i don't know it was i'm wondering if there was some commentary underlaid with this or if this was just pure abstract stupidity it's Um, pure abstract stupidity let's just be honest fortunately or unfortunately this is the only taste of the entire show i've ever gotten ever I did not know that there was anything new about this, like that they were going to have a new Netflix thing or this or that or the other. I didn't know there was a movie. I didn't know this was a show. So it's the only taste I've ever had. And boy, did it leave a flavor. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was crazy. I don't know what, I still don't know what to think about it. See, this is where it got interesting picking this because just going back a little bit on my history, um, I remember seeing this show maybe just slightly before the the 1998 movie adaptation came out uh the canadian network space which is like the sci-fi network in canada this is the channel that airs doctor who arrow um pretty much anything sci-fi the x-files uh when it launched in 1997 
they didn't have a lot of original shows, so they had a lot of like classic sci-fi. So there would be old Doctor Who, old Star Trek, and I remember I'd wake up in the morning at like 6 o'clock in the morning, and sometimes Lost in Space would be on. So I checked it out, and I'm like, this seems like kind of a fun show. And then I saw the movie, and I know that the movie is considered to be horrible, which it really is. If you see this show, you understand how good the movie is because the show's meant to be like, what was it? How did you describe this? Abstract uh, idiocy or something? Abstract stupidity. Abstract stupidity. The show is just kids' abstract stupidity. It's just a goofy adventure show. But the movie, I got really into it at the time, and Ben and I have talked about this, and this but one of our guilty pleasures like of all time so I started watching the show every single day, and it got to the point where I was so obsessed with this classic sci-fi show, a show that when I asked my mom about it, did you ever watch Lost in Space when you were a kid? She goes, yeah, kind of, but it was really stupid. <laughs> but the show has such a huge following and a huge fan base, partly for the campy quality of, of episodes like this, and the other part for some of the really good stuff that they did throughout the show too. But I got so into this show that I would record the show at about 7 in the morning, or sometimes I would watch it at 7 in the morning, uh, and then they'd re-air it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Since I was gone, I would record it, and then when I got home, I would watch it again. So I went through this entire series watching each episode twice a day. That's how much I loved this show. And I saw a making of on just, well, it's the whole, whole history of Lost in Space, as well as a little bit of a you know making of the movie around the time that was coming out. And they brought up the Great Vegetable Rebellion. It was it, it, different interviews with the cast, and they said, we'll always mention this. And then they talked about how bad this episode was. And I'm like, I have to see this. And some of the behind-the-scenes stories that I'll mention throughout the course of this podcast here just had me so intrigued. And when I eventually did see it, I'm like, this is so bad, but so funny. It, it's, it's like, uh, I, I don't know, you can't compare it to something like The Room, obviously, but... There's nothing you can compare it to ever. Like, the history of science fiction, you've never seen a show with a grown man dressed in a giant carrot suit, supposed to be a giant killer carrot, but you still see the human face in a mask. It's just a Halloween costume. It is so bad, but it is so good. Um, I can't wait to talk about this one. Uh, Rossi, anything else you want to add? Like you said, you, you didn't even know that about the new Netflix show. Nope, that's all I got. So this is where it got weird for me because when we were coming up with what shows we'd want to cover, I had this list of maybe about a dozen shows. I'm like, okay, what episodes could I pick of this? And Lost in Space is one of the first ones I wanted to do because we don't cover a lot of really old stuff on here. And it is one of my favorite shows. And d- despite what you'll get out of this episode, it there is some really good stuff in Lost in Space. Um, I would say it's probably about 60-40. 40% of the episodes are like this, not as bad as this, but like this. And the other 60% is pretty solid sci-fi. Uh, but as I mentioned at the end of the last episode, I I could not pick Lost in Space, as much as I love this show, and introduce anybody to one of the best episodes. Because if we never get a chance to come back around and watch Lost in Space again on one of these random rewatches, I could not not do the great vegetable rebellion because this episode is that famous and uh just as an example of that when there was a list i don't even know when this came out this is one of the most famous stories about this uh on the 100 greatest episodes in television history we're talking any tv show of all time the episode where we watched here the great vegetable rebellion ranked number 76 on tv guides 100 greatest episodes of all time. It ranked higher than any Star Trek episode. We're talking the 76th greatest TV episode in the history of television. Now, obviously, a lot of that is just... It's like The Room. It's so bad, it's good. Uh, I don't know. Give me give me something here, Rossi. Give, are you leaning more towards this being so bad it's painful or so bad that you kind of see the camp equality with it? Mm. Both, uh, I don't. It's so tough to say because at the beginning I was like, you know, I was messaging you as I was watching it, and I was so confused. I was so like, what am I? What have you forced me? I was like, wow, you topped corner gas in like a bad. It literally was about at, at forty-five minutes of all caps yelling at me. What is this? But like, there was that like middle segment when they were like. 
when they're all into different like groups it was that little boy and mm-hmm. the blonde girl and then you know the other adults were together and then the robot and the other guy were together and i thought oh that's pretty fun like it's interesting you get invested yeah. in it even though you're not really even though it's a stupid premise but then at the end it was like getting even worse because <laughs> the the Kara was just passing out it's like hydration and it's just like oh moisture moisture and like the stupid like when they fall down the hole the the two like the kids i guess fall down the hole and there's an obvious guy in a costume trying to chase them (laughs) just made up of leaves like he's not even a vegetable i don't know what he's he's a fern like are there like it's called the great vegetable rebellion there's only one vegetable in the entire episode that's another thing that doesn't make sense but this is just a crazy thing. I still don't understand it, but <laughs> and I don't think I'll ever will. Okay, but. so I'm going to give you a, first a rundown of, uh, I guess the show. Yeah, the show's pre- a recap would be yeah needed. the show's premise, the characters and stuff like that, uh, and then kind of the history about just this episode getting made. So first of all, the show itself. Like, are you familiar with the Swiss Family Robinson, the book, any movies, anything like that? No of it. Okay. Don't know it that uh, well. Well, it was the exact same premise. The the producer of this, Irwin Allen, who later would go on to basically create the disaster movie with movies like The Poseidon Adventure and The Tower and Inferno in the 70s. Uh, this is what he did in the 50s and 60s. He made kind of cheap kids sci-fi. And he had several shows like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Time Tunnel, um, and Lost in Space. He just said, I want to make the Swiss Family Robinson in space. So the premise is you have the first family to ever travel to another planet. They were supposed to basically begin colonization of another world. Uh, you have the, the parents, John and Maureen. You have their three kids, Judy, who's the oldest, who's an adult. Uh, Penny, who falls asleep through half of this episode. <laughs> and then Will, who's the youngest boy, who's kind of, I guess, shares the main character of the series. The show was originally meant to just be the family. But when the original pilot was shot, the network said... We want you to add a robot in there because robots were big in sci-fi at the time. And they said, we need you to add a villain. So they created this character, Dr. Smith, who was intended to be the villain of the show. And the actor, Jonathan Harris, who was hired, played him in the first few episodes as being a hardcore villain, which is the way it was written. But he said himself in interviews many times that he knew this character would eventually get written out of the show because he was just a villain. So he started to interject little bits of of humor into his performance when they weren't paying very close attention to him. That basically took over the show. And Dr. Smith, the, as even as you see in the opening credits is listed as special guest star, Jonathan Harris, because came so big and so popular because he was so funny that they literally changed the entire premise of the show and essentially became Dr. Smith and will the young boy and then the robot. And it was kind of just those three. So here, by the time we get to season three, the final season, they were slowly starting to bring the other family members back in, which is when you mentioned like everybody was paired off into different groups. That wouldn't have happened in most of season one or season two because it was all just Dr. Smith. But uh, the in, in the show, or the way Dr. Smith originally started, he was sabotaging their mission. He was a traitor. He was working with them, but sabotaging the mission. But then he got stuck on the ship with them. So in the early episodes, it was all, you, know, you stay away from Dr. Smith, which is why you have the, the pilot, Don West, who spends most of this episode saying, let's just leave him here, you know, let's finally be done with him, because this character is still technically supposed to be a villain in there. Um, I'm guessing you didn't pick up on any of the characters or any of their traits throughout this, but did you pick up on anything of Dr. Smith? Did you get here in season three without knowing anything about Lost in Space that he was meant to be the villain of the show? Uh, Yeah, I would say a little bit. There was some irrational hate for the robot Mm -hmm. um, and the, like, flowers flowers for a robot or something stupid like that and i was picking up on like he's either a real grump or he's some sort of like dastardly like got those undertones of villainy in him so i could see it obviously i didn't know that he was this big kind of character because it struck me as weird when it said guest starring Mm -hmm. like you said that really threw me i was like oh i guess this guy is it in the cast full time or something it just was really weird the introduction at least in this episode it's still weird because he was in every single episode the show ever had and yet every single episode was billed a special guest star who knows why uh it's not like he was famous or anything at the time i mean he was probably less famous than the actress who played penny who was at least a child star at the time but um when they got to the third season here this was the first season in color 
And uh, as I said, it got to be so much of just Dr. Smith, Will, and the robot, and so many stories that were just goofy like this in the second season. And when the third season came back around, they wanted to make it a little bit more serious again. You wouldn't get it from this episode. Um, and they made it more of an action-adventure show. The theme music that you hear here. Now, John Williams, who, of course, is the most famous composer of all time now for doing Star Wars, Superman, Indiana Jones, Jaws, E.T., Jurassic Park, everything. Uh, he started his work in TV, and he was the composer for Lost in Space. So it, it is kind of cool to watch this now with that big opening credit they had with the John Williams theme. Um, but uh, they were, I guess, slightly revamping the show, and this was like a step backwards for what the show was in the second season. The writer of this episode, Peter Packer, he's one of the better writers this show had and wrote some of those better episodes, as I mentioned. But the funny thing is, and this is the, one of the most famous stories of this, uh, uh, this entire show, is that when he was presenting this script, uh, Jonathan Harris, the guy who played Dr. Smith, he walked into you know, his dressing room or whatever and handed him the script without saying anything. And all he said was, you're not going to like this. <laughs> this is the writer of the episode before they'd even filmed it saying, you're not going to like this. And then Jonathan Harris is like, oh, well, let's see. And he's reading the title. He goes, oh, Great Vegetable Rebellion. That sounds interesting. And then he, the, the writer just looked at him and says, you will change your mind. <laughs> so the, the writer had zero faith in this episode. Um, and this is before the bad effects and everything come into it. Uh, and the storyline, of course, being that the family uh, finds a planet that they think, you know, it's just plant life because they can't detect any life down there. Uh, the robot's birthday is happening, so a robot has a birthday party, which I love, and they uh, don't have any presents for the robot, so Dr. Smith wants to go down and get the robot actual flowers. As you mentioned, he actually has this irrational hate for the robot. These two don't get along. His reason for getting it is because if I get the robot real flowers, he will be my slave because he'll be so indebted to me. Like Dr. Smith is just completely ridiculous villain at this point. Uh, that it's, I'm going to make this robot my slave by getting him real flowers. Um, and then once they get down to the planet, you know, Dr. Smith uh, is, I don't know, chopping away at some flowers. And you hear the, do the sound effects, Rossi. You're the sound effects man here. <laughs> the worst, most uncomfortable, annoying thing to hear. And it goes on the entire episode. Every time a, a vine is chopped, a branch is broken. <laughs> Which is, as we find out, the trees and the plants crying. Uh, and Dr. Smith is then cornered by a giant character, a man, with a very clear... And you'll see it on the post for this episode. You will see this carrot man, which is just like when we covered Home Improvement and Jill was dressed as a carrot and she had her human face sticking out of this carrot costume. That is what we see. So it's like the, she looked better than this. She carrot. does. Yeah. This carrot looks like it's melting too. Like it's, a, it's like carrot on the top and lava creature on the bottom. And it's like a weird, it's like John Goodman mixed with a carrot, like, <laughs> but dipped in acid yeah. or something. It's awful. very good description, but the other guy they have there, which we find out is is a human who's, I guess, crashed there and sort of helps this this carrot Tybo, uh, who is the leader of the Great Vegetable Rebellion, uh, was a human and he's being turned into a lettuce because they gave him a, a transplant with lettuce hearts, <laughs> like romaine hearts. Now they painted his face purple. Why does this carrot man Tybo have flesh colored face where you could actually see the gap in between where? The headpiece for his costume comes and where it fits around his face. Like, Erwin Allen was notorious for really going all out to sell a show. Uh, the pilot for Lost in Space in 1964 or 1965 or whatever was the most expensive pilot in television history. It cost a million dollars to film. Once the show was picked up, he would find any excuse he could to cut the budget, which is why there are certain monsters that appear on Lost in Space in like six episodes just with different colors or they'll put antlers on it because he was just notorious for cutting corners and, and doing whatever he could to keep the budget down. He couldn't even give this guy face paint, which is so sad. Um, but like just the idea that there's this planet where the vegetables, I don't know, are, are, are 
taking it out on the humans. Does this remind you of anything? Have you seen any movies about this? Because there's a very famous one, and I don't want to spoil it for you, but well, I'm going to spoil it anyways because most people probably know what I'm talking about. But do you know which one I'm talking about? A movie where it's basically the same premise. Plants leading a revolution against humans and hurting humans. I definitely don't know what you're talking about. There are two things that did come to mind when I thought of it, when I was watching this, which are definitely not what you're thinking of, but I thought of a little bit of Little Shop of Horrors mm-hmm. with the the plant coming yeah. alive and eat it, trying to take a revenge. And then I thought some like weird connections to Alice in Wonderland because <laughs> this was really trippy. It, well... But I probably not what you're thinking. No, of. and I, I probably haven't seen this episode since this movie came out. But M Night Shyamalan made a movie called The Happening, which did huge opening weekend business uh, because it was a brilliantly promoted movie. Like the trailers were just showing people literally just just passing out and dying. Like it, it, it you didn't know what it was. The entire buildup of this movie was something is killing off the human race. What is it? And in the end, you basically find out that it's the trees and the plants have learned how to talk to each other, and they are now killing humans, which is like like this infamous as being one of the worst twists in movie history. Um, but but I haven't seen this episode since I think I saw that movie. So when I saw this, I immediately thought about the happening. And sorry for spoiling, that, for spoiling the happening for everybody. Um, Ugh, I was going to go see it next weekend. Uh, trust me, I just saved your life. Uh, so I don't know how much we could, we could really talk about the story here, but basically let's just get, I guess, halfway through the episode here. So Dr. Smith's down on the planet. I love the, um, back and forth he has with Tybo the carrot. <laughs> this is, this really is a TV show about a giant talking carrot <laughs> kidnapping people. Um, it would be interesting to hear someone's reaction or listening to this. And have not watched the episode. Yeah, exactly. I know what someone thinks having watched the episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, get to, get, try and plan that out. Someone get together and do that. Uh, that's why I said at the beginning of this, like, you don't have to watch this episode. Listen to us cover it and then go watch the episode because we will pique your interest. Uh, I, I love the back and forth when, when Tybo's talking about, you know, you killed that plant or whatever, and it's a life for a life, and he's basically sentencing Smith to death. And he's like, no, I love vegetables. They're full of vitamins and minerals. I eat them all the time. And then he's like, you eat them? <laughs> this is the drama of the episode. Jamie liked that one. Um, <laughs> Do you want some lunch? Do you want some lunch? Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Smith basically becomes in prison here. He starts to get caught up with vines. So the family eventually realizes, well, Dr. Smith isn't here for the birthday's birthday, uh, the, the birthday, the robot's birthday party. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the robot, who is great on the show. I love the robot, um, the personality they give the robot and everything. Uh, the robot um, says, well, my sensors detect Dr. Smith is down on the planet. And uh, they figure, well, we have to go down and get him. Uh, Don West, who, of course, is the pilot who has always throughout the course of the show been the one guy who still hates Dr. Smith. Uh, he's saying, well, let's just leave him down there. He's never been any good to us. And uh, they're like, you know, uh, well, we got to go get him anyway. So they all leave. And then the robot, of course, sits there <laughs> moping. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. When everybody leaves him. Um they go down to the planet, and this is where everybody gets separated, like you said. Uh, so I think we have Will and Judy are supposed to stay behind at the ship. Uh, uh, the adults, I think, went off, and then who was Penny with? Penny was with no. Penny was with the mom. Penny was with Maureen because uh, she eventually falls asleep. And yeah, they all just split off into groups. Uh, and eventually, when they find Doctor Smith, they realize what's going on here that he's being taken over as a plant. So they cut everything off of him, and you know you've got to keep moving. That's kind of the setup of the episode. So tell me what you're thinking at this point in the episode, even though you greatly articulated it to me last night. Yeah, I don't know. This was so weird. It just felt like some budget school, you know, play. <laughs> Um, especially with the the carrot and some of the plant stuff. Like, I don't mind, you know, the effect. The sound effects were pretty decent considering what they were trying to do. <laughs> I hated them, and they were the most infuriating thing, but they weren't that bad. I mean, it just seems so ridiculous. Like, some weird, like, like this is the, the Star Wars planet you don't talk about. Like, <laughs> this is, like, in the, the nebula, but you don't go there. It's like... There's no one to recruit for the rebellion, stuff like that. You know, 
it was just really uh, it was uncomfortable at times <laughs> um, you're watching a carrot with a face kidnap a man <laughs> what's uncomfortable yeah, about that I don't know, it's just like this. they were taking it so, it felt like they were taking it too serious. Yes. Especially at the end, when, like, the little kid's giving out orders, <laughs> and it's like, you've got to do this on the double, and that's an order. If you have to drag them by your feet, I don't care. Like, it just got so serious for, like, oh, no, he's a celery stalk. Like, it, it just was too wild. I, I don't know what to think. It's... Uh, I, need, I watched this like 24 hours ago and I still not have not had enough time to recap or rethink about it. Can we watch Battlefield Earth again? Um, okay, so I'm going to uh, elaborate on what you said about being too serious. But I think this is part of the problem with this episode is that they wrote it to be serious. And, and apparently this evolved out of a completely different story idea they had. Uh, for an episode that somehow evolved into the whole talking carrot and obviously the whole you know as you said it looks like a school production it really does especially with this bad carrot costume but if there's only really two characters in this entire vegetable rebellion and the scene that's coming up after they uh, they come out to find the robot when uh, judy and will are going to go search for the family and they find the robot engulfed by vines and they cut them all off and the robot immediately just knows we're on a planet of living plants. And he delivers the most serious line of this episode, which is, we are at war with the plant world. And then they're talking about Dr. Smith. He says, he's a two-timer. He will have sold us out to the other side. Like They're actually trying to set this up like it's going to be the, the war for the planet of the apes or something. Between you know carrots and humans. <laughs> But you watch this episode and nobody seems to understand that it's a joke, sort of. Uh, because <laughs> Dr. Smith obviously always gets it. But the other actors, so this is what you probably wouldn't have picked up on unless you heard it. This is why I said, listen to our recap and then go watch the episode. Because the best stuff you're going to see in here are the background shots of the actors. Because the other family members eventually end up in this cage uh, where they're stuck. And Penny gets caught in a bunch of flowers and she falls asleep for the entire episode for what reason who knows <laughs> but they can't escape from here and when they get encountered when the adults here don john and maureen encounter tybo the talking carrot and willoughby the <laughs> lettuce heart man <laughs> um they visibly cannot contain their laughter. And and you have to really know what you're looking for in the scenes where they're face-to-face with this carrot. But particularly Mark Goddard, who plays Don West, he is constantly, throughout this episode, covering his mouth, faking coughs, turning away in mid-dialogue. And there's a great interview you can find of the kid who played Will uh, nowadays describing this episode, and even describing that big speech he had, like his big general speech, um, where he was playing dead serious. He's like, you know, I was a kid. I didn't really get this. But nobody else took it seriously. And it was nonstop complaining from the actors on set saying, this is just bad. Like, why are we doing this? Um, the actor who plays Don West, the way he described it was he'd basically doing a little middle of a line and then he'd be covering his mouth and turning away. And you can see this. There are tons of clips or even just images of him covering his face because he couldn't stop laughing on camera. Now, what was cut from this were the actors who play the parents, John and Marine. They spent so much time in this episode ruining takes by laughing, outwardly laughing at this carrot and the entire premise that the creator, Irwin Allen, wrote them out of the next two episodes they filmed entirely. He was so mad at them that he said, you guys are not even going to be in the next two episodes because they couldn't stop laughing on set. So as much as this episode is written to be serious, the actors could barely contain their disgust and <laughs> um, their giggles when it came to watching this. Uh, I mean, the story itself, like you said, it is kind of a good setup with these little adventure stories. But I don't know if I could have kept a straight face on set. Like, I don't, did you catch any of the the actors laughing in the background here? I did not. I'll have to show you some clips. It's pretty good. When, yeah. Once you see it, that's, that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to watch this episode in the first place. Um, but all the little side plots here, you have 
uh, in the cage, John and Don and Maureen and Sleeping Penny, uh, they find like a little tunnel underneath where they realize this is controlling the moisture in here. This is the the um, uh, the watering of the plants, and we get. <laughs> I have trouble continuing. We get the giant talking carrot, Tybo, who hoses himself down, going, Moisture! I need moisture! Uh, which, of course, will later on lead to once they cut off the moisture. He said, No! Give me my moisture! Give me my moisture! It's just sick! He's hosing himself down. He's screaming for moisture. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, the, the great action set piece of Judy and Will falling into a hole in the ground where they're chased around by a walking fern. <laughs> and you can actually see his human hands poking out from underneath it. Um, <laughs> what else do we really have to talk about here? Um, they find Dr. Smith, who is now slowly becoming a stalk of celery. <laughs> and... <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Uh, like what? <laughs> you make me watch. I could have picked any. I thought Battlefield Earth, Battleship Earth, was bad. <laughs> and this is the thing: is that when I'm like, I gotta do Lost in Space, I could barely. I'm like, oh, I really just want to pick a good one because I don't want to introduce a show to anybody where they're gonna be like, I never want to watch this again. But like, how do you not pick the Great Vegetable Rebellion? <laughs> this is one of the. I never want to watch. This it's again. the seventy-sixth greatest episode in television history, Rossi, according to TV Guide. According to the 1990-whatever, or 19-whatever list, they made another one. Uh, it was not on the current one. I mean, in all fairness, this is on the original list just for how infamous it is. For the same reason that if you were to rank what are the most famous movies of all time, or the most talked about movies, there's a good chance The Room makes it on a top 100 list today, you know? Because this is just so bad that it's, how can you ever unsee... A giant talking carrot hosing himself down saying, I need moisture. Or Dr. Smith turning into a stalk of celery. Which, by the way, they had face paint for him. Why does the carrot not have face paint? Um, comment on... Oh, on the bright side, yeah. this movie at least dubbed everything properly and not like the room where you re-record <laughs> things and then just put it over the re like the recorded thing and have have people come into scenes when they weren't already in there and don't introduce characters. Yeah, all the dubbing of the plants getting chopped going, that was all recorded on set. And it was beautifully It was. (laughs) Um, Feel free to comment on any of this stuff here, any of the story, because we're pretty much almost wrapping it up here. Do I have to? Yes. (laughs) I'm afraid of what you're going to pick for next week. (laughs) Retaliation. Like, is this an all-out war now? (laughs) We're at war with yeah. the podcasters. Yeah, what, what call it? What's your fa- least favorite TV show? And I'll oh, no, no, no. That's too dangerous. I will never let that slip. <laughs> Jamie! Jamie, come in. <laughs> Nothing to comment on. I don't... What, what is there to say? <laughs> like, like, I have no commentary. Like, I thought... Maybe you'd say, oh, this was really, the episode was intended to be, like, an environmental, well, like, let's. there was politics at the time of, you know, <laughs> the war on the earth or something, and like, oh, okay, I can see where they're coming from. At least I'd have something to say, other than that there's a walking <laughs> celery stalk. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because when Will eventually finds the family, and he gives that big speech... Which, you gotta give it to the kid. I mean, yeah, he was a kid. He was too dumb to realize how bad this episode was. But but he really does give it his all with this this big motivational speech. It's like, uh, yes, on Earth, we we eat vegetables and we uh, use plants for certain materials. But there's also other things like flowers that we have just to admire their beauty. It's just this really over-the-top speech. And when I saw that, I started to think maybe there was... Like, some intention of this being an environmental message. But then you have the line, like, when Dr. Smith was uh, talking about, uh, oh, the plants hurt when you chop them, and Will says, you sound like some crazy nature kook, Dr. Smith. Uh, And then you have the writer walking in, handing him the script, saying, you're not going to like this. He goes, oh, it sounds interesting. He says, you will change your mind. There clearly was 
no greater meaning to this episode when he was later asked about this episode by Irwin Allen when he wrote it. The, the, the writer said, I didn't have one more idea in my head. <laughs> like, he literally had just exhausted everything. And funny enough, this was the last episode he wrote for the show. I mean, partly because the show was cancelled a few episodes later. But still, he literally... I wonder why. They literally exhausted all the material they had. And they said, we're going to have a talking carrot turn Dr. Smith into a stalk of celery. Yeah, that's... That's the plot. <laughs> Um, and I'm pretty much out of notes because basically all that happens here is when the family all reunites, uh, they eventually, I guess, convince Willoughby, the um, the purple lettuce man. Is there a purple lettuce? I feel like that might be. I know there's purple. Um, this is actually bothering me. It's been bothering me since I saw it. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. There we go. Purple. That's lettuce. what's bothering you. <laughs> no, I know I'd seen purple lettuce before. But I knew there was purple radishes, purple potatoes and stuff, but... This, this purple lettuce man, uh, who actually is human, they eventually convince him to help them. Uh, so he helps Dr. Smith escape, and he helps wake Penny up, and they take over for Tybo the carrot, who no longer has moisture, moisture, he needs moisture. And the family decides to invite him to leave with them. Uh, instead, he says, I need to stay here to take care of Tybo. Uh, and so they all end up leaving. Dr. Smith is safe again. He's no longer a stock of celery. Um, the end. The Great Vegetable Rebellion. Uh, <laughs> have at it, Rossi. <laughs> final um, comments, final thoughts on the Great Vegetable Rebellion of Lost in Space. Well, the ending was really weird because they just said, hey, the guy was like, hey, come with us. And he's like, no, I gotta stay and help him out. And they're like, okay. And then he walks off the other guys walk off, and the Mr. Smith, is his Dr. Name? Smith, Dr. Smith talks to the robot and says, "He's like, help me get back to the ship." And they're like, "Don't expect anything or whatever." Blah blah blah. And then it's just cut to credits. <laughs> well, like, the, no, I, I know what you're talking about because um, uh, you watch this on YouTube, I'm guessing. Why? What was the ending? No, 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 no. This it's not. It's technically not something you miss, but I'm just wondering. You did watch it on YouTube, right? Okay, because yeah. the way that Lost in Space was set up is, um, and this is for all three seasons of the show, the story ends, they go for a commercial break, they come back for the commercial break, and you basically watch the first two minutes of the next week's episode. So what likely would have happened, and I don't remember what the episode that followed this was, what likely would have happened is you would have come back from a commercial break and they would have been on the ship and Dr. Smith would have been playing checkers with the robot. The robot would have beaten him. Dr. Smith would have called him like a, a mechanical moron or something. And then they're like, uh, danger, da the robot, danger, Will Robinson. And then you find out that like some alien ship had just frozen them in time and space. And then all of a sudden you get the to be continued on there because that's the way Lost in Space always ended. So yeah, I, I, I was expecting that too because I was watching this one on YouTube as well. Uh, and when they did just cut to credits, I'm like, whoa, that really feels weird without those final teasers, the cliffhangers for the following week. It does end very abruptly. Okay, it makes more sense. Doesn't justify the episode we watched. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing justifies this episode. I will say, I did enjoy, I think, what's the the one that was with the little kid? What's her name? The, the blonde Judy. one? Judy. I did like Judy. She was my favorite character. Judy was your favorite character? <laughs> yeah. Uh, explain? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like she had the most to do. She was like, she got she she was the one who talked the the purple purple people eater guy <laughs> into changing Doctor Smith back from the carrot to the human, or not the carrot, the celery to the human. And she was the one who was able to help the robot earlier. Like, she was the one who did the most this episode. Well, it... Like, she was the best. It's, it's funny you mention that, too, because I think this episode, I've seen multiple reviews that do say this is, like, one of the few times Judy gets to shine, because she, in the first season, they really had her on there to bring, like, a love story into the show. Uh, because you have an entire family in space, you know, you got the parents or whatever, um, but then you have Don West, the, the, the single male pilot who's tagging along with the family but is not part of the family 
they wanted to bring an adult daughter onto the show to be a love interest for Don West. Now, that played out throughout the first season, but there were so many complaints, I don't know if it was from the public or the network, who were like, well, they can't get married in space, and we're uncomfortable having a single man and woman um, you know, who, who obviously cannot get married because people are going to assume terrible things about them. So they literally wrote the love story out between Judy and Don West, and then there was just nothing left for Judy because her, her entire character was just there for that. In fact, in the pilot episode when they're explaining who all the members of the family are, and it's like, you know, this one has an IQ of whatever. They basically say, Judy, an actress. Like, she's not even a genius like the rest of the family. She was just an actress. So... In this episode, she actually did get something to do. So I can kind of understand where you're coming from with this. But for the most part, in the, the original TV show, Judy was like the character who had nothing to do. Uh, and they totally turned that around in both the movie and then in the new TV series. I would say Judy probably is the most interesting character. Um, but I, I'm surprised that you would have gone with Judy over like Dr. Smith or the robot here. Because, I mean, Dr. Smith or the robot, you... you, you you can't, even in a bad episode like this, you can't not get some enjoyment out of like their rapport and their back and forth insults with each other. Yeah, I felt like they, the robot and Dr. Smith were giving it, giving it their all along with the carrot. They were giving it <laughs> 110%. Um, when everyone else is kind of like, mm, except for the kid who's a kid, so. Yeah. <laughs> but like, on the whole, it felt like a lot of 50% effort. Um, but the robot was given it. Um, I don't know. It wasn't. It's hard to judge characters on one episode, especially this one episode? that's this, <laughs> this separate from the, whatever the trajectory of the show is. Um, let's rate this one. <laughs> Are you gonna buy it, rent it, or bin it? Go first. I don't know. I still have to think. <laughs> um, okay, so this is where it gets complicated because this is bin worthy. But it's also worth watching if you know how bad it is and you can see the humor of the, the, the bad carrot and the stalk of celery and the, the actors laughing in the background. So, I mean, it's it's the same as The Room. I mean, and even Santa's, Santa's sleigh that uh, we're going to be covering later this week. Yes, it's bad, but there's something really amusing about it. I'm going to go as far to rent it with the disclaimer of it is bin worthy. But if I'm sitting down every once in a while and I'm like, let me just throw a couple of Lost in Space episodes on a USB drive, plug it into my TV and watch it before bed. I'm almost always going to put this one on there because it'll at least make me laugh. So I'm going to rent this with the disclaimer. Oh, Colin, this is so tough. <laughs> Because I agree with everything you said, uh, but I did be in the room when you guys both bought it. <laughs> you were wrong. Uh, and I stand by that. I would watch that again, but I would still I still stand by the bin. So in the same spirit, I'm going to bin this as well. Because, A, you've tried to pull the fast one on me and make me watch garbage TV shows. <laughs> Um, and second, it is awful. Yes, I would watch it again, but it's still awful. I would not spend money on this again. Not that I spent money on it the first time, but sentiment stands, Ben. And just to go along with that, like, even though it was hard for me to pick a bad episode of a show I loved, where there are genuinely like dozens of episodes that I think are like by worthy of Lost in Space, um, you know, I, do, I didn't want like the random rewatch thing to just be, this is one of my other favorite shows. This is one of my other favorite shows. Like, I think one of the things that appeals about this, and when we first introduced the, the idea last year when we had listeners suggesting our episodes, it was almost a dare to people. When we had listeners. Well, back when we had <laughs> listeners, yeah. <laughs> but when we had listeners suggesting the episodes, it was like a dare. We said, we will cover whatever you want. If you want to pick Sex in the City, we will talk about Sex in the City. If you want to pick... Peppa Pig. We will talk about Peppa Pig. Um, oh, Colin, don't spoil my next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I know them all by heart at this point. But um, but I think that's part of the fun of this. And, and, you know, whether we continue to do this past the new year when Lost comes back or not, you know, I wanted to throw stuff out there where it's like, yes, it is bad, but it is worth talking about still. So um, my apologies <laughs> for you having to sit through this and it being an hour long as opposed to a half hour thing. Uh, but 
I mean, it's it's still it's so memorable. You're never going to forget this. You got that right, Kong. So now that we've wrapped up, Lost in Space, Great Vegetable Rebellion, Rossi, it's your pick. I have no idea what you're going to pick. Um, what are we going to be watching next week? And what what does everybody else need to catch up on in the next seven days? Um, watch all of Lost in Space, <laughs> and then and then you'll be ready for this episode. I'm still torn because I don't 100% know which episode I'm going to suggest. Uh, I have the show, and I have a few in mind of which episode to show you, or which ones to pick. I'm just so torn about picking it because I want to pick the right one because you only give me one, so i got to pick well, the right one. There'll be another one next week, so if you really want, you can hold off on the second episode. So um, I don't know if this is the first time we're doing it on the Oz Network. Maybe not. Someone don't say sex in the city. Don't say me. sex in the city. Don't say sex in the city. Shut up, Jamie. <laughs> we are watching Sex in the City. No, um, I I honestly <laughs> felt my heart like heart rate increase about ten beats a minute right there. Well, you brought it up. <laughs> also, I've never seen one, so I have no episode suggestion to watch anyway. Um, but I think maybe a first on the Oz Network. Maybe not. This is gonna be embarrassing if it isn't. But we're gonna be stepping into the world of animation. <gasps> And we're going to be picking a cartoon to watch. Ooh. Any guesses? Inspector Gadget? No. Peppa Pig? Max and that'll Ruby? That'll be the one after. I'll be, that'll be one of my Christmas episodes. <laughs> I'm just mentioning all of Casper's favorite shows now. Max and Ruby. Um, SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> it did cross my mind. But I, I will say that those are not it. It is from the 90s. Futurama? No. We're going to be going to one of my favorite shows of all time, which, unlike you picking random episodes that are just crazy, I pick my favorite shows. Um, so we're going to be watching an episode from Daria. Ooh. <laughs> oh, gosh, what's that? Well, no, continue. I'm still torn, but I think we're going to go with one of the earlier episodes. We're going to be watching... Daria, season one, episode two. Ooh. Which is called something. The Invitation, from what I see? The Invitation. Okay, so this is what's interesting. Uh, like, when you said that, my reaction, it wasn't like Golden Girls. It was like, yes! Uh, it was more like, ooh. Um, so I'm I'm a big fan of Mike Judge. Uh, like, King of the Hill, Beavis and Butthead. And I remember when this show came out, and I think my brother and I were big fans of Beavis and Butthead, so we checked this out, and we just didn't get it. Um, now, having said that, I mean, we were young and stupid, like, you know, children were <laughs> at the time. Wait, so what, what's changed? Not, not much, but <laughs> um, now I at least can appreciate uh, more than just two guys sitting around mocking music videos and dipping mice into deep fryers uh i can appreciate more than immature humor so yeah this is this will be interesting because the only time i ever really watched this show was at a point where i was definitely not the right demographic and i was expecting because this was not just from mike judge who did beavis and butthead daria was a spin-off of beavis and butthead she was a character who was on the beavis and butthead show uh, so, but it, it is completely different type of show. So I'm not, I can't even honestly remember what the show was like. I just remember I didn't quite get it at the time, but well, I don't know. You, you're familiar so with the show, I'm guessing. I love this show. Like I got into it late. Obviously I was, it was very early on when I was, when it came out, I was very young. So it wasn't something that I was going to watch. Mm-hmm. I was, I was watching probably Peppa Pig or whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I found it later on, like a few several years ago, and I watched the whole thing, and I fell in love with it. Just like sh- having a show centered around like this a um a path like what's the word apathetic. apathetic like an apathetic disinterested individual, and like that being a hysterical for a show. It was just so like it just was so clever, so funny, so smart. And I just, I love the show. I could talk about all the episodes, um, except for the first one, because that's a little bit of a 
uncanon. But <laughs> so that's why we started uh, with episode show. two. Yeah, a bit because some of the as you get through the first season, you realize the voices are changing a lot. <laughs> like they haven't quite settled on the voices in the early season. So like. You know, if you watch episode one and like watch a season three or something, it'll be like, who are these people? <laughs> so that's why I wanted to like go away from the first one because it's so different. The second one's at least like 90% there with the voices. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot better. Okay. So Daria, season one, episode two, The Invitation, next week. Um, and then after that, as we move into December. Uh, we're going to start doing some Christmas-themed episodes. Now, we're doing Christmas movies right now, uh, but we're going to be doing the, the same premise that we're doing right now with just alternating one choice uh, for me, one choice for Rossi, but it's going to be TV-related Christmas specials or Christmas episodes. Um, who knows what we're going to cover? Maybe Daria has a Christmas special. Uh, but that's going to be starting the following week. So Daria is sort of wrapping us up on just pick whatever you want, and then we're getting into more theme stuff. And that will carry us all the way through to Christmas Eve, where the final one will go up right before Christmas. You can spend Christmas Eve listening to us talk about random episodes, maybe the the, the Lost Lost in Space Christmas special or something like that. Uh, <laughs> no, please, no, please. <laughs> but as for the rest of the week, uh, the other Ben shows like Nip Tuck and Third Watch still coming out. And then uh, listen to... Santa's Slay, the movie starring professional wrestler Bill Goldberg as a killer Santa Claus, the son of Satan and Erica, uh, <laughs> in a movie that partially takes place in my home province of Manitoba, uh, that we just have to say, if, if you have never heard of this, if you have no interest in it, if you think, why are they talking about this, just watch the trailer for Santa's Slay, that's S-L-A-Y, and then you will understand why we're doing this. That'll come later in the week. And then back next week for more Daria. Uh, that's it for this week. That's it for Lost in Space. That's it for uh, all the delicious vitamin, mineral-filled vegetables. Uh, my name is Colin. And and my name is Rossian. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.